Well, good morning, Community Grace. Good to be with you here today. I'm Pastor Darren. I'm senior pastor here at Community of Grace, in case you don't know who I am. Uh, and it's good to be together uh, for worship today. I especially want to give a shout out on this uh, uh, Daylight Savings Time Day to all of those who are wondering why our 9 o'clock service started so late today. We're really glad that you're here too. Uh, it's good to be together, friends. You know, uh, we are going to the core. Uh, we have been looking these last couple of weeks now into our core values at Community of Grace Lutheran Church. And, and for those of you who missed last week or maybe are just coming in today as visitors, I want you to let you know that these things apply to every area of life. They're not something that's just for us here at Community of Grace. And matter of fact, these core values are core values that lead right into the mission of Jesus. And when we talk about the mission of Jesus, we define it very simply as to be and make disciples of Jesus. That's our mission. And so each of these core values helps us be and make disciples. So we're trying to commit them all to memory. And if you haven't committed them to memory, that's okay. We've got them up on the wall for a reason. Uh, but we're going to recite them today just to remind ourselves of these core values as we keep working our way through the list. So let's start over here on the far side of the wall here, and we'll just read them right down the list. First of all, number one is Jesus makes us family. Number two, deep roots make good fruit. Number three, love pours out. And then over on this side, number four is invite first and next steps with Jesus. And number five, be the church in the world. All of those things that lead us into being and making disciples of Jesus. This stuff matters to Jesus, and that's why we talk about it, because we're going to talk about stuff that matters to Jesus here, because whatever matters to Jesus should matter to us, and I want it to matter to me. Too. So we've been working our way through these, and uh, we started last week by starting at the beginning with our first one of these core values, which is Jesus makes us family. And that was a good place for us to start, because number one, it starts with the word Jesus, right? And that's the first answer that you give when you're in Sunday school or when you've been nodding off to sleep in a church service and the pastor points to you. You go, ah, Jesus, right? You're always safe with that answer. But that is the answer, and that's where we get started, is with Jesus. Jesus makes us family. And it's so good that we start there because it reminds us of where this whole thing begins. It doesn't start with us. It doesn't start with us. It's not about me. It's not about you. In the beginning, it's about Jesus. And we come into family together because Jesus initiates something to make us family. He's the one who comes to reveal God's heart of love for all of humanity. He's the one who comes and lays his life down for each of us so that that relationship between God and humanity is restored. And he's the one that brings us then before the Father who adopts us into his family. We are adopted into the family, friends. Uh, and what good news that is for every one of us. Jesus makes us family. Uh, and we have a practice that comes out of that, and you're a part of that practice right now. <laughs> We get together as a family reunion every week. Every Sunday is a little mini family reunion for the family to get together, be with one another, celebrate one another, honor Jesus, honor our Father, honor the Holy Spirit. We come together in that spirit each week because that's an important part about being a disciple and making us into disciples. So start right there. Jesus makes us family. So welcome to the family reunion. Now as we go on, we're going to take a look today now at our second core value, which is Deep roots make good fruit. Now, when you hear that, you might be going, wait a second, are we having a biology lesson here today? Uh, is this a gardening show that we're putting on together today? Uh, no, no, it's not. Uh, so why do we talk about deep roots making good fruit? Why this agricultural reference? Well, you see, Jesus talked a lot 
about gardening. He talked a lot about plants and planting and harvesting and soil and vines and all of these kinds of things. It's because Jesus grew up in an agrarian society. Okay? That's the context that he was in. So everybody around him would have gotten all these references and these metaphors. They would have made sense to them. Now, I have to confess, I was born and raised in the suburbs. Okay? Um, and uh, my older siblings, my brother Kevin and my sister Stacy, were 10 years older and 7 years older than I am. And they got to spend a summer out at the farm. And many of you may remember that. might have been a part of what your journey was, too, where you got to go spend a summer out at the farm. When you're out at the farm, you learned what farming was all about, right? Well, apparently when I came around, we weren't doing that anymore. So I didn't spend a summer at the farm. Uh, and, uh, but what I did instead is I spent seven years in Iowa. That's what I did. I spent the last seven years in Iowa. And, uh, and I tell you what, I learned some things much more firsthand about farming and about gardening and about agriculture. It was great. It was a real life lesson. We learned from these dear folks who lived connected to the land. I mean, we prayed about rain, too much of it or too little of it, so regularly while we were down at Morningside Lutheran Church. It was a regular part of their prayer life, and it wasn't just because people didn't want to have their baseball game rained out. It's because people were like, look, we need the right amount of rain if the crops are going to grow. If we get too much rain, the crops are going to flood out, and so we'd be praying for rain or praying for dryness or whatever it might be. It was a big deal. My business manager was a farmer's wife, and uh, Barb and Kenny Baker, and they, they would come and be with us all throughout the year and faithful participants in worship, but there were a couple times a year where you didn't see much of Kenny. You hope that Kenny was going online to, to watch the sermons those days because when it was planting season, when it was harvesting season, you didn't see Kenny. Kenny was out in the fields. Because these were critical times. They, they knew the cycle of how things worked. And right about this time of the year, my friend Kenny would be starting to get really edgy. Like it's, it's March. Temperature 60 degrees. Okay, the ground's warming up. And I was like, the ground's warming up? He's like, no, you, the ground soil has to be the right temperature. I never knew this stuff. The ground has to be the right temperature before you can start planting the seeds. Okay. So he'd be excited waiting for when planting season would start. As soon as that ground hit the right temperature, bam, he was out there planting the seeds. And then he would work all throughout the summer and springtime taking care of the plants and, and fertilizing and making sure the water supply was good and, and work it all the way through into the fall until he knew the harvest was coming. And he'd be waiting for harvest just for that right time. It was all about the timing he planted soybeans often, and, and so the thing about soybeans is you gotta, you got to harvest them at just the right time. If you harvest them too early, they're too wet, and they're not mature, and uh, they'll get moldy and, and won't do well within the silos. But if you, if you harvest them too late, the pods start popping open, and the soybean pod, and then you wind up wasting a bunch of these, these seeds. And, and so he had to just wait for that perfect time. And, and Barb would, would be like, he's so excited. He's just, he'll, he'll be sitting around each day, and, and, and suddenly it'll just hit him. It's like, it's time. It's time, right? It's time. And he would get in his combine and out in his tractor, and, and he would just go. And there was no stopping in the harvest. You just went day after day. You just kept going. Barb would feed him sandwiches out in the field, would meet him out on the combine, hand him up his sandwiches because he was going. It was time to harvest. I got such an appreciation for these things, that this was the rhythm of life there. It was agriculturally focused, and that's the time that Jesus was around. That's what Jesus used 
as metaphors. And we've heard some of those metaphors today. We heard about seeds, and we heard about planting, and vines, and branches, and fruit, and how they're all connected together. And, and, and we've got something here, too, to remind us. See, here, we got a plant here. Yep, um, Dan called it a church plant. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, it's kind of a dad joke, kind of a Dan joke, kind of a bad joke. Uh, so, um, <laughs> love you, Dan. You know it, man. So, uh, so here we go. You know, we've got this vine, and I, I like this plant in particular, because this plant's going to go in my office when we're all done with this. Um, and what I really like about this plant is it's really hard to kill. Really hard to get. These things will endure. They, they don't need a whole lot of light. They don't need a whole lot of water. If they dry out, you just throw a little bit of extra water in them, and you can always tell when they're drying out because some of the leaves start to turn yellow, and you just pluck those leaves off. Now, it's interesting because it's a lot like what Jesus talked about when he talked about tending to vines, right? If, I, if I'm trying to take care of this thing, I, I, I look at it, and I see if there's branches that are, that are coming off that are starting to not look very good. This one's getting ready to open up, so that one will be just fine. But you find some yellow ones in here from time to time, and when they get yellow and they start drying out, you want to pluck them off because they'll still draw nutrients, and they'll draw those things away from the rest of the plant. Now, this particular plant doesn't have visible fruit on it, but you can imagine if this were a, a wine, uh, or a wine vine, a vine. <laughs> We'll get there. We're Lutherans after all. Um, so if, if it's a vine that's got fruit on it, okay, you would see the fruit. And, and that fruit is what grows out of, the, of all of the things that are happening with the vine, right? So you, the fruit is kind of the last part of it. If the fruit's good, that's because it was connected to a good branch. And if that branch is good, it's because it was connected into a healthy vine and, and so on and so forth. Okay, so, so Jesus understood this and he talked with people about that same way in their Christian life. He related these things to, to people's walk with Jesus and following Jesus. Jesus is the vine, and we're connected into him. And if we're a branch as a part of that vine, he'll, he'll trim things off that aren't productive in us because that'll draw attention away from us. It'll, it'll pull life out of us that doesn't go into making the good fruit. Now, there's a particular kind of fruit that Jesus was talking about, and, and, and the Bible goes on to say more about this with the Apostle Paul, and he describes this fruit. It's called fruit of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, and it's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are all attributes, and they, they're called fruit of the Spirit. When, when the vine is healthy, when the branches are good, when it's producing fruit, that's the fruit that it produces, produces love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. It's great to think about that and to, and to see it at work and knowing that God cares about this, cares about us the same way that a gardener would tend to a vine or take care of a plant. Now, that's all stuff that happens on the surface, right? We see the fruit. We see what's produced there by what's happening on the surface. We see the vine branches, and we can pluck them off when they don't look good, right? And you can tell the fruit if it's good or if it's bad, if it's starting to rot or if it just isn't producing the way it's supposed to. Um, you know, we, we often will plant uh, tomatoes. Uh, that was one of the big things that my wife and I like to plant was tomatoes. I love a good, fresh tomato out of the garden. And some years it would, it would produce great. We'd have tons of tomatoes. And other years it just wouldn't produce at all. And we weren't quite sure what the difference was. Maybe the ground was too wet. You know, maybe there wasn't enough sunshine that year. Maybe we just weren't taking care of it and plucking the weeds out. Whatever it might be. But, but the fruit was kind of the last stage. And so you knew that something wasn't right if the fruit wasn't good. 
Something might be wrong with the branch, and you might be able to see it and pluck it off or trim it back a little bit. Maybe the vine wasn't, wasn't connected right or was starting to, to wilt or wasn't given enough room to grow. Those things on the surface you could see and take care of. But there's a whole other level to what's going on, and it's what's going on below the surface. There's a whole other level of things going on below the surface, down with the soil and with the roots. There's soil and there's roots, and that's where everything gets started is down in that soil with those roots. And those roots go down deep into the soil, or they don't. And they draw nutrients from that soil. And if there's something in the soil that isn't any good, if the soil's too dry, or if it doesn't have enough nutrients in it, or it's toxic, maybe something gets spilled on it, it's not going to produce a healthy plant on the other end of it. But you may never see it. Because it's happening down below the surface. As we walk through our lives and as we follow this journey with Jesus, we can see oftentimes in each other's lives what's happening above the surface, can't we? We can, we can at, least, at least we think we know what's going on in somebody's life. We can see it's like, oh yeah, that person's healthy, things are going on well in their life, everything must be good. Or others, we go, wow, man, something really is not good there. I, I wonder what's going on. And it's because we don't know what's happening below the surface, there's things happening below the surface that, that feed into the life of the plant. It starts in the soil, and it goes to the root. And from the root, it goes to the vine. And from the vine to the branches, to the branches to the fruit. So, so much depends on what's going on in the soil, because whatever's in the soil is going to nourish the plant. So here's my question for you. What's in your soil? What's in your soil? we got a lot of different things that go into our soil. And sometimes there are things that we aren't even aware of that may have been put in that soil long before we had a memory of being a plant, long before we even sprout up out of the ground and, and start to grow and start to even become fruitful. There's things that get put into the soil, some things we put in ourselves, some things got put in there within our families or, or within generations of families. There's stuff that gets into the soil, stuff like fear, Sometimes fear is something that's saturating the soil. And when fear is saturating the soil, what grows up is anxiety. That's what starts to come out in the plant. The plant gets anxious. People get anxious. I see more people struggling with anxiety and with depression than, than ever before. It, it might be because it's more prevalent. It might be because we just see it more and are more aware of it. I've been on that journey myself. When you see that anxiety and those things that are coming up, you have to wonder, is there something in the soil? And sometimes what's in the soil is fear. There's fear. That fear may have been put in you by, by somebody else. It may have been put in you throughout your, your family of upbringing. It, it may have been, been put in you from, from a neighbor. It could come from all kinds of different places. And it might not even be a place that you're aware of. When that fear is down there inside the soil... What can sprout up and what can grow is anxiety. Maybe it's not fear. Maybe it's shame. Maybe it's shame. Somehow when you were a child or when you were in middle school or high school or who knows when, somebody put something on you. Somebody shamed you about something of who you are. And because of that shame, now something else is growing up from you and it's a sense of inadequacy. 
You grow up and you always have that sense of you're just not enough. You just don't measure up. There's something about you that is, that is deeply flawed. And it's not flawed just because of your actions. It's flawed because of who you are. That's what shame does. And, it, and it's deep, deep within you and deep down in the soil. And so you grow up with this sense of I'm not enough. I'll never be enough. I can't do enough. There's something wrong with me. That's what happens when the soil is saturated with shame. And there's anger. Maybe the soil is saturated with anger in your life. Maybe you grew up in an angry household. Or maybe you had, had a, a, somebody at school who used to always treat you with anger or always seemed to be angry with you. And from that grows up a sense of rage yourself. You want to you vengeance. You want to revenge that type of behavior that somebody else did to you. Maybe you were bullied. Maybe who knows what it might be. But there's an anger that comes up from you that burns out and, and flows out of this plant because it's deep down in the soil. You might not know it's there. You may not know where it came from, but God does. And what's deep down in that soil affects everything that happens in the rest of your life. It can impact so many things within your life. And this doesn't just play into us individually. It plays into families. It plays into communities. It plays into churches. It plays into to cities and nations and the world. All of these things that are in the soil manifest themselves and wind up coming up. You know, there's, there's a little thing. I'm just going to use this as an example today. But there's this little thing going around you may have heard of called coronavirus. Now, I'm not a doctor, okay? And I'm not pretending to be a medical professional. It's a real virus, Okay, it's more deadly than the flu. Um, uh, at least that's what they're saying so far. Okay, we don't know that much about it. All right, and, it, and there's, there's reasons to be cautious and to take precautions related to this. That's why some folks coming into church today or in other places are just going, hey, you know what, we're going to do the fist bump instead of the shake hands. We're going we're gonna to rub elbows or just kind of wave to each other across the room. Whatever it might be. Hey, that's okay. If that's, what, if that's what you need to do, if that feels like caution to you, great. That's nothing wrong with that. But there's something else going on here, folks. There's something else going on here because, because the, the level of concern that, that's manifesting in fear, in outright fear, in panic. My wife and I went shopping the other day. We went over to Target to pick up some cleaning supplies. We stopped in the aisle that has the, the antibacterial wipes. Not a single one in the store. The shelf was empty. To which somebody mentioned the other day, what was everybody doing before the coronavirus? <laughs> but they're gone. Other places are running out of toilet paper. You can't find hand sanitizer anywhere. See, that to me doesn't feel like just caution. That to me feels like fear. And fear, when it gets deep into a culture, into a society, it's way more dangerous than the coronavirus. And when we draw off of that as people, when we let that be the source that, that feeds us day by day, wherever it's coming from, whether it's from your neighbors or from the news or whatever, it's, it's there. But whatever it is, folks, we have to be aware of it and know that's what it is. It's fear. And it feeds people. 
And when they're fed by fear, people, people start to hide. They hide out. They distance themselves from everybody. Like I said, I'm not a doctor. I'm a shepherd. And, and of course, as a shepherd, I care about you. And if you're sick and if you're feeling lousy, hey, by all means, stay home and get well. <laughs> okay? I mean, that's just common sense. That's just good practice. Wash your hands. Yeah? Cover your mouth when you cough. Good stuff. Okay? Wise things. But don't live from a place of fear and panic. These are the things that get into the soil and it feeds our roots. What's the antidote? What's the antidote? Well, the Apostle Paul mentions it in Ephesians chapter 3 in a little passage starting at verse 14. And if, if you've got your Bible with you, that's great. You can follow along with this little passage as I read it. If you want to read this at home, that's great. This, this citation is referenced inside of your, your study guide, your take-home study guide there, so you can look it up on your own. But it's this prayer that the Apostle Paul prays. And I'm going to read it to you from, from the New Living Translation because there's a, there's a way that it's said in this that really goes to the core. So just listen as I read this passage, starting at verse 14 of chapter 3. When I think of the wisdom and scope of God's plan, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will give you mighty inner strength through his Holy Spirit. And I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. Now listen to this. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love. That's the antidote. It's the love of God. That's what we're supposed to draw from. And we might see it on the outside out here, but it, but it starts way down here. It starts way down here in the dirt. And whatever it is that used to be there or that's there right now, listen, Jesus is plenty ready to go down into the dirt. He's ready to dig deep down into the soil to heal you and to help you. He's, he's not afraid of the dirt, friends. He'll get his hands way down in there. And it might make you dirty. But Jesus isn't afraid of it. Jesus went to the cross because of it. He's right there with you in whatever it is that might be feeding you. And he's willing to go down in there and wipe out whatever it is with his love. And he's even willing to say, you know what? I just need to transplant you. I need to take you out of this soil and put you into a new pot with new soil, with fresh, good soil that is saturated with God's love. That's the antidote. That's the place we're supposed to draw strength from. That's where we're supposed to draw life from. And God is willing to do that in you and in me because that's his desire, is that we would draw life from him and from the good soil that's filled with his love that comes up through the roots and then feeds the vine and feeds the branches and produces fruit. That's what it is. So if you're looking at your life or, or you're wondering, how come it is that I'm, I'm operating this way? Hey, those are good questions to ask. You may need to ask them of your spouse. You might need to ask them of a therapist or a pastor or just ask them of Jesus. What is this? Where is this coming from that's got me doing these, these crazy things? And let Jesus show you. Let him get down in the dirt with you. Dig deep down into that soil and say, here it is. Here it is. Let me get this out. Let me fill it back in. 
with good soil, with the soil of his love. Now, what are, some, what are some ways in which we draw from that love? What are some practices that we can have that help us to draw from that love? Well, there's three of them that we talk about here a lot at Community of Grace. Three ways in which we draw from the soil of God's marvelous love and let our, our roots go down deep. And the first is prayer. Prayer. What is it about prayer that, that feeds us from God's love? Well, prayer is what roots us in God's will. It roots us in God's will. See, Jesus taught his disciples to pray, and, and amongst a number of the things that he shared with his disciples in what we call the Lord's Prayer, which is really the disciples' prayer, because it's given to us as his disciples to pray, after the part where he says, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Starts right off there, after acknowledging who God is, it says, God, whatever your will is, I want to know it, and I want it to take place in my life the same way and with the same authority that whatever you say in heaven gets done. And he invites us to pray that, and I don't think he expects us to pray it just once. <laughs> I think there's an ongoing part of that connection with the Father that, that helps us to understand his will. We pray not because we have all the answers. We pray not just because we want God to do something for us. We pray from a starting place of humility, recognizing that he's God and we're not. And then we go to that place right away of saying, God, whatever your will is, I want your will, your good will, to be done in my life the same way that it's done in heaven. Connect me to your will. It's a communication with God, back and forth, praying to him, listening from him. That's prayer, and it roots us in God's will, keeps us in his love. So that's the first one, is prayer. The second one is study of God's word. Now, I, I got to tell you, I was not the greatest student in the world. And, and I certainly feel like I need a lot more instruction in knowing the Bible, even though, yeah, I'm a pastor and have been educated and all that kind of stuff. But I got so much more to learn about the Bible. So you put study and the Bible together and watch my anxiety go up. Right? Some of you are exactly the same way. I know who you are. You're thinking to yourself, are you going to put me in a Bible study? Great. Two things that I know nothing about. But there's more to it than that. <laughs> there's more to it than just learning information. Because you see, studying God's word roots us in God's story. It roots us in God's story. You see, the Bible is not an instruction manual. Okay? It's not like the Chilton's manual for your car. Where you go, oh, something's wrong with the distributor. Let's open up to the page where it says how to fix the distributor. That's not the way the Bible works. Some people treat it that way. As a matter of fact, there was an old saying that, that went around for quite a while in the church. I hear, still hear it repeated every once in a while from somebody. But they'll say Bible, and they'll use Bible as an acronym for basic instructions before leaving earth. There's so much theologically wrong with that statement that I can't even begin to start with it. But, but, but just that whole idea that, that it's, it's your basic instructions. It's not basic, number one. But it's like it's instructions. This is your instruction manual for how to live your life. That's not the way to approach God's word. Are there good instructions in it? Of course. But it's a story. Number one, and most importantly, the Bible is a story. It's God's story. 
And he wants you to know his story, the story of how he interacts with humanity. What a fascinating story. Because it's an interaction with people who are broken and messed up and have broken families and broken lives, and God still uses them to do incredible things because he has a story, and his story starts in a garden, and it ends in a garden. Here's the gardener tending to us, and it starts and ends in those two places. It's a story, and there's stories within the stories. So studying God's word exposes us to the story and helps us to get the story into us so we can see ourselves in the story and recognize the big story that God is writing all throughout history. We want to know that story. Look, it doesn't matter if you have memorized every king in 1 Kings, 2 Kings, 1 and 2 Chronicles. You don't have to have every name figured out. You don't have to know exactly what to do if you've got an open wound on this part of your arm that happens to get infected. Look, that, it's part of the story. If you get the story of what God is up to, then those things make sense. But in and of themselves, just knowing that isn't going to help. We want to know the story. And by studying God's word, we get to know his story. And in prayer, we get to know his will. And then there's a third part that ties these two together in such a beautiful way, and it's community. It's community. We live together in community because being in community is what roots us in God's family. We say that Jesus makes us family, and that's so good, and it's so true, and it's exemplified at its starting point right here when we have the family reunion. But you know what? If the only time you saw your immediate family was once a year to family reunion, that's a pretty rough way to live a family, isn't it? Some people may prefer to only see some parts of their family that often. That's not the point. The point is you don't get a healthy family by only seeing each other once a year. You don't become healthy as a plant growing when your only connection with this community is to be here for an hour a week. Look, I'm not trying to leap and, or dump a bunch of extra shame and guilt on you, okay? That's not the point here, especially when we're talking about what's in the soil. This is out of love for you and out of God's love for you. He wants you to be connected, connected to him and connected to each other. And if your only connection is an hour here, he can't get the deep work done. Look, I, I love preaching. I'm, I'm glad that I get to do this. I'm, I'm glad that you are here to, to connect with God's word and to connect with Jesus through worship and all the wonderful things that we do during this time of the year and during this time of the week. I wouldn't give this up for anything. But if it ends here, your roots aren't going to go very deep. Oh, the love is there, but the roots just aren't going to go very deep. And Jesus has another story he shares in the Gospel of Matthew. It's also referenced in there about, about where seed falls and the kind of soil and what happens to the roots. And if your roots don't go deep and they're just kind of surface level with each other and we just have a, a little bit of prayer in the week and we just have a little bit of God's word that we hear and then we you know, shake hands with each other or fist bump for an hour on a Sunday and then we, then we go and we're just back off with the rest of our lives never even thinking about our connection to one another. Friend, those roots aren't going to go very deep. And when the roots aren't very deep, when, when the wind comes and when the storms of life come and they will come and they will hit you and they will hit me, those things get uprooted or they dry out or they fizzle out. And it breaks my heart to watch that happen over and over and over again in the church. Because the other thing is that when we just see each other on, on Sundays, we only see the surface 
We only see what's, what's growing up here. And some of us can even produce some fruit in that time for an hour that looks pretty good. But when we take that time to be in community with each other at other times, well, then we get to see the real thing. We get to see what's going on underneath the surface. And that might seem scary to some people at first. I get it. But it's the place where God does his work. It's under the surface. And in that community, we can pray for one another. And we can study God's word together. And when we have questions, we can ask each other of it. And if we don't have all the answers, that's okay. We're in it together in community. Praying for each other, studying God's word together. That's the beauty of where God's love is found. Found in prayer and in his word and in community. Let those be the places that we get the good soil. Now here's the thing. Each one of those things can, can be accomplished in a lot of different ways. We, we have things called growth groups here and connection groups at Community of Grace. They're great opportunities to, to connect with others who, who meet more regularly to study and to pray and to be in fellowship and friendship together and sometimes just have some fun together and be in each other's lives. And that's great. It's wonderful. I really, really want to encourage you to connect there. But I know as soon as I say that, there's some who just go, oh, great. You know what? I've, I've been there. I've done that. And I got burned. Or you know what? I'm, I, I, I gave it a try, but I just couldn't keep up the pace. I just couldn't keep up the schedule. Something else came up in life. And now you, you, I, you share that, Pastor Vic, and all I feel is guilty again about having not done that. I don't want you to leave this place with that being your focus. Because there's a word that we connect with community here that's really, really important for us to remember. We are a community of grace. And grace is God's gift. And grace is the thing that comes and, and covers over us in all those places and gives us hope and doesn't have us in a place of going, oh, shoot, I'm just going to step up and fail at this again. Yeah, you know what? You might. <laughs> Probably will. But that's what God's love and grace is for, is to help us through those seasons, to remind us of how loved we are by God, to remind us of the one who brought us into this family and keeps us his family, not because we're so good at it, but because he's so good to us. I want to stay connected to that grace. I want you to stay connected to that grace and love of God, because those deep roots, they're going to bear fruit. And the kind of fruit that we see sometimes is, is, is not good fruit. And rather than pointing at each other on a Sunday and just going, hey, boy, you know, you look like uh, your fruit's not so good today. <laughs> you see each other once a week, boy, that's not a good way to interact with each other. But when you're in a close community with one another, and you're like, wow, you know, man, we've been talking and walking with each other, and boy, there's, there's something that you're, that you're saying that just doesn't sound loving to me. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. There might be something you can point out that you just go, ah, oh, that, that, just, that just doesn't sound loving. And, and I care about you, so let's, let's, let's go into God's word. Let's pray with one another. Let's go down deep into this soil. Let Jesus go down deep into that soil and find out what needs to get healed. Find out what needs to get cleaned out. 
Find out where you need to get transplanted into something healthy and whole in God's love. Because that fruit, that, that fruit doesn't make any sense if it's just on your own. I mean, if you wake up in the morning and nobody's around and you go, boy, do I feel patient today. <laughs> so what? I mean, is that really patience? No. It's patience when you wake up and you go, ah, I feel really patient. And that's when the two-year-old comes screaming through the door, going, ah, I'm hungry, feed me now. My brother's picking on me. That's the places where you find out whether you're patient or not. That's where you find out what the fruit is all about. And when you're sharing that with other people and talking with other people about it and going, man, alive, this last week, I just can't believe how much my family drove me nuts. You go, oh, man, I can relate. I understand. Sometimes that happens. Man, how can we be praying that God would help us to grow in that patience? And it grows slowly, a little bit at a time. Because it takes time to grow something healthy too. It doesn't happen overnight. Things grow over time. So that's my hope and desire for you. Because I believe it's Jesus' hope and desire for us as disciples. Is that we would go deep into the marvelous love of God. Deep into that soil. Draw our life from it. And that we can draw it together in prayer and in word and in community. All covered in God's grace. That's what he calls us to today. And so I, I just want to take a moment here now and I want to pray that God would do and begin that work in us today. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, you're the one who started this in us because you're the one who called us into your family through Jesus. You're the one who through his death and resurrection forgave us of our sins and then brought us into new life, a new life that begins now. But Lord, we want to keep drawing from that life and that life comes from you and it comes from your love. And many of us, Lord, knowingly or unknowingly, we've got stuff in our soil that needs to get cleaned out. We've got toxins that are in there of fear and of anger and of shame and of go right down the list of all those different things that, that find their way into our soil. Some of them because we put them there. Lord, help us today. Help us, Father, as only you can. Holy Spirit, come and do the work. Start the work in our hearts today. Start that work deep down in our soil. We trust you and believe you and know that, that you are for us and not against us. So begin that work in us today, Lord. Cleaning stuff out, clearing stuff out, bringing us fresh into new life. We thank you that we can trust you in this, Jesus, one day at a time and one little piece at a time. Help us to grow strong in you. We pray this in your name. Amen.